Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. So I just got back from a six-day trip from Mexico, and uh, I'm literally doing a walk and talk as I try to find my partner to pull her into this conversation um, because the people that were there were a lot of parents and uh, there's her brother half naked. There she is. Okay. So I'm going to pull her into this conversation because it's, um, I had some revelations about parenting. Okay. And, uh, we went to a wedding in uh, Mexico, and there were a lot of parents. And for many of us, it was uh, our first time away from our child uh, for six days and both parents being gone. And one of the things that uh, I thought about was um, this generation, mm-hmm. uh, mostly mostly Vanessa's, uh, since she's a millennial, and I'm more Gen Z. No. Nope. Gen X. Yep. Yes, Gen X. Definitely not Gen Z. Definitely not. There's this illusion that, because um, I think a lot of a lot of millennials are talking about how uh, hard parenting is, which uh, we also have uh, uh, talked about. And I think it's not that it wasn't hard for our parents. They just never talked about it, right? I think for them, um, I think the millennials are the first generation finally speaking out about uh what what is hard and i think for our parents it was just as hard if not harder they just never said anything you know and i think that's what's happening so then it gives the illusion that millennials are complaining a lot and it's not that they're complaining we are finally just actually talking about real things well, I think we also have access to more knowledge, right? Yes. So I think it's a combination of a bunch of things. I think it's what you're saying about they just didn't talk about it. I think there was a generational um, kind of, I don't know, uh, expectation or something where it was just kind of like, suck it up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yes. don't air your dirty laundry, right? It was a lot more about appearances, things like that. So I think there's that component. I think the other component is our access to knowledge. and so. Whether that's parenting knowledge, whether that's psychology knowledge, right? Like how upbringing impacts people. You know, we're kind of the generation of pop psychology. So we're now seeing how our parents' upbringing, um, how them upbringing us, rather, like how that affected us as adults. And so we're trying to change patterns. Um, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Um, so there's a lot there. One, um, can I finish my third one oh, really yes, quick yes, just to yes. keep my train of thought? So then I would say that. By the way, I feel like a news reporter. I'm holding a giant microphone in one hand. In my face. Yes. And I'm, I'm, I have the, the computer, which is kind of like a giant uh, uh, camera. I feel like a, a, a 90s news reporter doing doing interviews on the streets. Okay, go ahead. Um, and then I guess the third one I would say is also, um, you know, the, the way that society operates we weren't able to question it, or at least we didn't think we were able to question it. And so, um, you know, I was just speaking from being a woman, uh, women didn't really have the ability to question what our society looks like as far as parenting goes and like their happiness as they do now. Right. And so 
um, every generation that passes, especially this one now, we don't need men to survive in the same way that we used to anymore. And so we don't have to just suck it up, be miserable, you know, drink white wine and pop volumes in order to get through our lives. Um, because as women, we have more options and we can, we don't have to live that way. Right. And so I think that's like a combination, I guess, of those three things. Hey, wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. Yes, it's at the intersection of um, a generation finally talking about real things. Mm -hmm. Also, the weight and value we put on wellness, Mm -hmm. self-betterment, all of that happening. And then finally, uh, like you said, yes, the the leverage in relationships. So before, um, you know, the image I see of mom drinking alcohol. A Popping pills. Yeah. yeah, because uh life is hard, but also feeling trapped because not everyone, but uh, you know, for our parents, um, unless you're a single mom, uh you also may you know, being a mom might have been your job. And so that was a hundred percent your job and it was your only job and it was your only option or choice in life, right? So you were kind of stuck. You were stuck, right? you were depressed, you were I mean, everything, you know, the the number of stories you hear about, oh, my grandmother. I mean, I hear this all the time, even in clients my age, like my grandmother had a mental breakdown and she was institutionalized. And I hear that kind of stuff constantly. It's like, well, yeah, I would probably have had a mental breakdown too if my life was to be a baby factory with zero outlet for anything that had to do with me or my soul or who I was as a person. And I had to just like fall in line and comply. Right. And and, and I think, uh, of course now, if, uh, mom slash wife is not happy uh i also now see how parents end up sleeping in separate rooms i i you know i know for my parents uh i've never even seen them kiss mm-hmm. and uh, anytime they were intimate it was always uh, a joke uh, my dad you know would grab my mom's hand my mom would push him away mm-hmm. and uh i think they were just so busy working and trying to raise children and of course my parents are from a generation where they had to make their own shoes and you know war stricken right so zero effort into um their marriage and and so i i see now as parents like how this happens and i used to uh watch my parents and say i will never be like them but uh i see now how they got to where they got to but i also think though that what you just said is pretty valid to to jump on which is we are a bit of a generation of course correctors. Um, we're a bit of a generation of like, we've swung the pendulum to the other side. Yeah. So, you know, I know for you personally, like we've talked about this a lot where I feel like you, because of what you saw with your parents, you, you're almost afraid 
um, of that. And so you have swung almost so far to the other side that that has actually created tension for us because of the fear that you carry. And I would say it's similar with, with just millennials in general, um, or Gen, Gen X as well, where the parenting styles, right? When you look at how like how the millennials tend to be the helicopter parents, for example, right? right? Overcautious. Or Gen X. And, and really yeah. that comes out of having the opposite experience of being parented, right? And so um, and that comes with its own issues and its own struggles, right? I mean, anytime we're on either side of a of a pendulum, you know, in an extreme, um, it's not it's not healthy, right? And so, partly, it's like, what do we? What does middle ground look like? And I think some of us are trying to figure that out, but I think our inclination is to be in the extreme. What was the revelation for you as a parent first time uh, this long entire week almost? with both of us gone, what came up for you and what was your revelation now that you are back to being home? Well, it was interesting, right? Because we were around, I mean, there was 60, 70 people at this wedding. And honestly, if I had to guess, it was 20 parents, like parents of little kids, like people who had little kids all under five. And it was, I didn't see anybody that had, well, other than one couple I know who actually travel is like their biggest priority in their relationship. Also, had, uh, most of them had two kids. I think we were the only who had one. No, there's one other. There was one other. Oh, two okay. other couples have one kid. But either way, under five, right? Yeah. Um, and this was all of their, except for one couple, uh, first long trip away from the kids together. Yeah. And that was, our, you know, our good friend who got married, my good friend who got married, that was one of his actual um, kind of devious plans was like, I can't wait to get all these parents. He does not have children yeah. um, away, away from, from their, their kids, kids yeah. and actually get them to like cut loose. And, you know, it was a child-free wedding. And so you didn't have a choice and people made it happen. You know, this is one of those guys that you, you, you kind of make it happen for, right? right? He's the glue. He's like the most amazing friend. And so people were like, all right, we'll figure it out. We'll pay however much money for nannies. We'll have, you know, our parents yeah. help, you know, yeah. with us, we have my brother help. But as far as revelations, I mean, number one, I think just watching all of the parents and how you could see on their faces, how needed it was and how necessary it was to not be parents for a few days. Uh, and what that did to everybody's like energy and just by the end of it, like what people looked like, you know, like mm -hmm. the light in their eyes and just how freely everybody was laughing and, and just having fun. Um, also, I think for me, a personal revelation was that I can trust you're going to make people sick that are watching this on video. <laughs> no, it's it, it, that's I'm on brand. The okay. shaky. <laughs> Why don't you just put it here? So you don't have to hold it. Sorry for the people listening. John's trying to make everybody sick on YouTube by waving the camera around um, that I can trust other people. You know, like I think I've, I've been able to trust you when you're alone with her and I've had to go away for like work or friends or whatever. But um, this is the first time we've both gone. And so it was actually a really big, it was an experience for me. I was really anxious leading up to it. And I actually couldn't believe how not anxious I was once I got there and really just felt that like my brother had it and everything was good. And he was surrounded by also like our community who was here, who was making sure that he had what he needed and checking in with him and, you know, grabbing our kid and bringing her to their house for dinner and giving him a break and all that stuff. And so it just was like, um, it was just a big aha of like, oh, I actually do have community. You know, I might not live close to my mom, for example, which some people have, but um, I have more community than I think I, and community that I can trust. Yeah. And I think I realized. I think the big revelation for me. And how important that is, by the way. <laughs> I think the big revelation for me uh, is that it's possible is mm -hmm. that uh, you you can actually um, leave for a week. I mean, there's going to be people listening slash watching saying, 
that that's irresponsible, right? So I, I just, or that really can't. I mean, let's be real. There are there are some people who like economically that that really is not an option, and so yeah, they might not have family. They might not have uh, just the means, the, the to, means go away. to do it. I get that. Uh, My mom was a single mom, right? And so yes. we didn't have the money to do that. She, yeah, she it, never went away. It's a luxury for for many people yeah. to even um, can have have that in their life. But but just the fact that it's possible, mm-hmm. meaning um, you can leave for a week with your partner. Uh, figure it out. Um, trust. Trust. Uh, yes, there's going to be a lot of feelings that come up, like guilt. Guilt is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you you can. I actually didn't feel guilty. Okay, <laughs> Vanessa did not. Jeez, I think I, I, I just I needed guilt. it too much. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I also think it's good for the kid or oh, children. 100%. Yeah. Um, to form trust with other people, mm-hmm. family members, nannies, whoever. Um, and I think it's good for the kid to miss their parents. I think as parents, we think so much about, oh, uh, you know, we're part of this, I think, is we're a generation where we feel like, okay, because, um, you know, we're talking about course correcting, we want to do go above and beyond for our kids, things that we didn't have. Yeah, so we're be, the pendulum swing. Right. right. So because of that, we have to be at our, our child's side 24-7. And we're going to, you know, give them, you know, vegetables and kombucha and all these things. And not not you know raise them on fast food or whatever, and uh, but we're, but we're, we're we're very hard on ourselves, and mm-hmm. so because of that, I think a lot of the guilt comes from that, you know. Um, so for me, coming home and realizing, holy shit, we can be gone for a week, and you know everything's still okay, uh, then makes me think, what else can we do? You know, then makes me think um, of life design. Then makes me think about. Other things that, uh, like shuffling the life cards of what's important and um, how we can be parents and not lose our lives. How we can be parents and also um, go on trips or uh, fan the flames, um, see our college friends, you know, dance and do all the things that we did before we became parents and also how important that is you know so it doesn't have to be a week you know uh vanessa uh maybe once every month or two um may go get a hotel room or just kind of get away for a little bit whatever she feels that she needs uh to reset uh that may look differently for me uh, I may go, you know, um, to our retreat house or do something and, uh, things like that are, are actually really important. And I think, um, it is, it, I think the most important thing for parents is for them to find their happy or, uh, then you have parents who are unhappy and, uh, that I think is one of the kind of foundational legs of parenting is your own responsibility to be happy. So you're just not miserable and stressed out all the time. Well, I also think it's important to understand that children learn by what they see, not by what they hear. And so if you, let's say, especially as a woman, like if you as a mother are accessible 24-7, put everybody else ahead of yourself, kind of live in this like martyr territory, which I do think a lot of our mothers did. 
um, that's what I'm teaching my daughter is her role as a woman in society, is her role as a woman in partnership, is her role as a woman in motherhood. So that's what she looks at as her blueprint blueprint for partnership and motherhood. Means I don't get to be autonomous. I don't get to have needs. I don't get to put myself first. I don't get to have fun. Um, And so one of the biggest motivators for me to ensure that I'm also prioritizing myself is to teach her how important it is to prioritize herself. Sure. Um, and yeah, also, every time I feel guilty, I have to remind myself of that. Right? That, that, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. And that's you as a mother, but also as a couple, as a unit, as parents, our example and us demonstrating, um, how we want to prioritizing our relationship. Yeah, exactly. Show up in the relationship, um, prioritizing our relationship. uh, So she knows, oh, oh, my parents actually like each other, like each other. uh, (laughs) uh, um, And and my parents actually um, put effort into their relationship without me. Yeah, they went somewhere, they did things. And so uh, laying those tracks that I I think is really important. My parents never did that. Mm -hmm. You know, that's something that uh, I, I never really saw growing up. Right. So I also wanted to end with this. This is a question from uh, a follower, and uh, she asks, "How do you keep a marriage spicy?" And um, I, I'm going to answer it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to not be predictable. I'm going to take it out of the bedroom and kind of bring it back to um, the theme of this episode, which is. You know, and this is also another revelation I had. One of the ways to keep any relationship, quote unquote, spicy, uh, and, and I'm assuming when you say spicy, you're talking about fanning flames, um, you know, get the chemistry going and all of that, is to do things like this. So um, whether it is date night, uh, it doesn't have to be six days in Mexico, but put effort into the relationship by doing all the things that you did with your partner before having children um, and also exploring, you know, um, activities, different environments, you know, so like go live your life with your partner. I think that makes um, the thing that makes, that makes a relationship spicier Um, or else it gets bland in the monotony of the day to day. I think curiosity is one of the biggest aphrodisiacs. And so continuing to be curious about your partner, learning things about your partner, doing new things with your partner, having new experiences with your partner, um, that is one of the ways I think you keep that kind of spice alive. I also think that, um, you know, Esther Perel says like one of the biggest things in relationships is respect. And if you don't have respect, then the relationship crumbles. Yeah. And so I also think curiosity can bleed into respect. So um, not thinking you know everything about this person, you know, asking them questions that uh, are about things that you might not have heard them talk about before. You know, we were um, away, two friends of mine, um, she said she's been really purposely asking him these questions that she wants to know more about, right? And one of the examples she gave is, um, you know, what was family dinner like? What was dinner like for you guys as a family when you were growing up, right? right? Just a very simple question, but something that really got them into a conversation that she was like, oh, I never knew this about you. I didn't, I didn't know this part of your story. Right. And so I think putting effort into curiosity and, and maintaining and continuing to build respect 
um, that leads to the sexual spiciness or like the physical chemistry. Um, I would say almost more so than like, oh, where's sexy lingerie or like yeah. book a hotel room once in a while. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. But if I don't have the foundation of respect and curiosity, I don't, you could book all the hotel rooms in the world. I'm not going to have sex with you. So I think sometimes in our culture, we do it backwards and we forget that the spiciness actually comes from the like mental, the emotional, um, foundational stuff that then gets the, the, the fans, the flames fans. Yeah. <laughs> I think spicy always comes in rediscovery. And so you're saying curiosity because you can't discover uh, with judgment. You can only discover through the lens of curiosity. Well, you also can't, you also can't discover when you think, you know, already, if I have full access to you and I know everything about you, I'm not going to be curious about you anymore. Right. right? And so that is going to lead to a loss of desire. Like desire needs to come from space distance, not like distance as not necessarily like physical distance, but just like not thinking I know everything. Right. Vanessa wants to live in different homes it's on just, the other side of the country. I mean, listen, anybody who doesn't know Esther Perel, read her stuff. She's freaking brilliant. But yeah. Uh, rediscovery is the word that comes to my mind uh, to mm-hmm. spark, uh, to reignite and rediscovery. If you can't do uh, some of the things that we're talking about, like, you know, um, staycations trips, and all right, that, right. then, uh, you know what you can do, uh, even though um you are stuck at home and still doing the same things and still have to do all the, you know, the chores and whatever it takes to, to, um, going. to keep the house going is it's a mindset. And so rediscovery, and this is one of the things we talk about in our book, it's not me, it's you finding beauty in the contrast, right? Uh, because our differences can be the crowbar or rediscovery can be in finding what is different in the other person, whether it's their outlook on life, um, where they're at in their life, the different, you know, personalities, different anything. And then as an exercise, um, getting very curious about that and finding beauty in it. And that's how you can actually uh, rediscover, which then leads to a respark and um, spicy spice. Thank you, Vanessa, for uh, jumping into this conversation. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. If you're a parent, uh, one of the things that um, I encourage you to do is to um, not trace old blueprints, uh, to redefine what parenting looks like to you. Parenting is something that is uh, uh, something that is also aligned with a lot of shame and guilt and shoulds. Um, of course, everyone knows it's hard, but I think if we do nothing, we will default to uh, tracing old blueprints, right? And so ask yourself, how can you go into this differently um, from a macro and also from a micro, from a day to day? You know, how can you approach this day differently? Uh, and how will that change you? And how will that uh, help with your relationship with your partner? Thank you for listening.